Hi, and welcome to another episode of Real Estate with Howard Drew Karsh. For those that don't know me, I'm one of the co-founders, along with Arthur Bartram and Ron Petticourt, of the largest independent real estate brokerage in Canada with over 5,300 salespeople. In my career, I've also been on the board of directors of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board, on the board of directors of the Real Estate Council of Ontario, that's also known as RICO, and I sit on the board of the company I co-founded. If you want to know more about me, there's also a podcast. It's called Intro. It's the first po- podcast we did. It's an audio only, and I talk about my own journey to uh, through real estate, through my early years in life, and things that I overcame, and the successes I've had, the failures I've had, all of that. And I think you might find that interesting. This is not going to be your typical real estate podcast, because even though we're interviewing a variety of people, which include real estate agents, brokers, um, people in the construction business, whether they're developers, people marketing new construction, uh, finance people, lawyers, um, interesting people, media people. The whole idea of the podcast is to speak to people and find out about their journey, how they overcame setbacks, roadblocks, failures, rejection. And they kept that trajectory going straight up until they were successful. And, And to me, that's a really, really interesting story. My own real estate story is once we started this company, um, I'd never managed, but as we grew, we needed a manager. So I would manage as we opened new branches. And then for a few years, uh, I was also um, involved as president and broker of record. Uh, One of the most important things in a real estate brokerage is the salespeople. Uh, I was involved in the interviewing and hiring the salespeople. And over the time that I was active in this company, I'd hired over a thousand people. What I found fascinating is after a while, I could tell when I met a new person, not exactly, but if they had enthusiasm, uh, if there was a spark, I knew they would do really well. And then there were people transferring from other brands. People uh, came from brands that had been around a lot longer than we were. uh, And that was really flattering because they saw the value in our model. And uh, so my experience in in the real estate brokerage world was very, very positive. And the company is an extremely successful company now. Enough about me, now to my guest, Reese Wynn Trenhale. Uh, let me tell you a bit about how I met Reese. Uh, we were sitting beside each other in this uh, professional designation course. And you know, you say hi, and where are you from? And he's from Windsor. And my wife, Rosemary, is from Windsor. So we automatically kind of struck it up uh, in terms of talking. Um, and I really hadn't, a little bit of uh, you know social media connection, but I really hadn't spoken to Reese for a while. And I thought, what a wonderful guest he would be, because he's had such a fascinating career, which we'll tell you about. Um, and then I reconnected with him a short, short while ago, and I asked if he ever finished the course. He said he got too busy. I got too busy. <laughs> so, uh, so that's it for that course for now. So uh, let me introduce you now to Reese Wynn Trenhill. Reese, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Howard. Thank you. Listen, I know you had a real, you have, and had a really uh, wonderful background. So let's talk about the things that interest me, and I think will interest our, our viewers. Let's start with your career, uh, starting out as a lawyer. Tell us about that. Um, I never actually uh, ended up practicing law, but uh, I ran um, that I ran it, track that, that field made, and cross country at that, the University of Windsor, and your undergrad is four years, mm-hmm. but you get five years of eligibility. To run ah. for the team and uh, at the time we were one of the top teams uh, not only in Canada but North America so wow. you want to get your fifth year in okay. and um, my dad uh, is a recently retired university prof at the University of Windsor mm-hmm. and if you would have listened in on the 
the decision-making process, it, it would, you would think an academic would be talking about, you know, academia, but it was all about, okay, well, you got to get your fifth year on the team. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. You're going to do, you know, like a, a, a teaching, you know, a teaching degree. And I was like, ah, and I don't want to be a teacher, you know, how about business? I said, well, I'm already running businesses. You know, I don't really want to do an MBA. How about law? And I was like, you know what? Law school, I mean, a law degree is one of the most flexible, it probably is the most flexible degree you can get as far as the different things you can do with it in, in life and in society. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll do that, you know, and um, um, I loved it. Uh, I loved it. Um, but I knew through the whole process, I wasn't necessarily going to end up being a lawyer. And I think the University of Windsor Law School is one of the few um, law schools that knows that 50% of law school graduates are not practicing law within five years of graduation. Hmm, interesting. They're going into all kinds of different things, using the law degree every day, but going into all kinds of, so they almost, they make sure that you know that, that it's not wrong to think of doing other things. And um, for me, I fell into real estate sales, which is, I don't think what they really meant, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's a prominent uh, criminal lawyer in town. And when I told him of my decision to go into real estate sales, he paused very briefly and he said, you will use that law degree every day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's a very nice thing to say. I'm, I'm thinking in my head, very nice thing to say, but I don't think you're right. Oh, he was right. I use mm-hmm. that sucker every day, that education. Great, great. So, so after law, I know that you also got into commercial development. Uh, in the city of Windsor. I know you're also an investor in, uh, sure. in the city. Um, how did that come about? The, uh, the investment actually preceded uh, even the law degree. Um, when I was running track at the university, I was a middle distance runner. I like to say I was a middle distance runner 52 pounds ago. <laughs> you sent me that, you sent me that in, in the email. You told me, um, wait a second, Reese, in the email, you said 40. Uh, what is it right now? I was 161 pounds at my racing weight and I'm 212 now. So whatever that is. Whatever. Right. I don't want to do the math. Maybe. 39 plus 51. Right. Okay. There so you go. That's really, that was now. something our viewers really wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> Write that one down. Yeah. Um, so uh, there was one guy on the team that um, bought a income property, bought a student rental property. Mm-hmm. And when you're on these long runs for 60 minutes at a time, day after day with these guys, you're, you're talking about everything. So now we're picking his brain on how he did it. And he was basically following in his dad's footsteps. And by the time we won a national championship back in 1998, we owned, it's a team of seven guys. We owned seven student rental properties between us and a, the, the, the ass end of a couple of racehorses at the Windsor Raceway. <laughs> WR, I, WR. Oh, yeah. So I, I said, boys, I don't know if we're the best team to ever win a national title, but we're definitely we're definitely the wealthiest. <laughs> Good for you. Listen, uh, you know, yeah. I love Windsor. We, my wife, Rosemary, is from Windsor. And, and after I met her, we would uh, periodically be driving down to Windsor. And like when you said Windsor Raceway around town, it was known as WR, as I recall. Um, and there were so many things I really enjoyed about Windsor. Um, Anyway, the thing about, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, so, so your role now, and you're also an investor, right? You're an investor in um, property, uh, commercial property sure. in the city. Tell me what you think uh, about where Windsor's at. You, you know this as well as any agent in Windsor. 
there's all kinds of Toronto agents, uh, you know, going to Windsor with clients, trying trying to find, uh, I'm not sure it's all investment, but trying to find properties less expensive than the GTA, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how does that play into the commercial field? Uh, do you find investors coming from the GTA as well? Yeah, so, well, uh, it's never stopped for us. So when I got into real estate sales, I did a SWOT analysis and an environmental assessment of the real estate industry before I knew what a SWOT analysis and an environmental <laughs> assessment were. Yeah. And I concluded, and this will be foreign to people in Toronto, but when you get into a mid-sized city that is a long distance away from a financial center like Toronto, you'll, you'll find that the niches in business that are available to, uh, to, to get into, exploit, to make a profit are countless. There's just not enough people to of of uh, what I would call the creative class mm -hmm. to fill all those spots. And so when I got into real estate sales, I did this assessment. And this is where it's going to sound foreign to real estate agents from Toronto. 17 years ago when I started, there was nobody specializing in income property sales in wow. a city of 330,000 people. Wow. Yeah. So forget about the niches within the category. Right of income property sales, there was nobody saying, I'm the income property guy. And at the time I owned three student rental properties coming out of university. And so I went, I'm the income property guy. <laughs> with, you know, with and, a law degree. Uh, right. of course, everything went like gangbusters because nobody else was saying that. And I had to start hiring people and figuring out how to build a team just to keep up. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, 70% of our, we do over 200 sales a year and growing. And 70% of those sales are income property sales. 30% are just pure residential. Hmm. Out of those income property sales, which is about 140, roughly 150 a year, 90% of those are to investors from the GTA, but they were even 17 years ago, not just now that it's a red hot market. Hmm. Yeah, that's always been a huge uh, bulk of our, uh, of our personal business. So talking about Windsor, and as I said, I, I know it because of my wife and family, and I'd be uh, a visitor to Windsor often. Um, and we got married a long time ago when the tunnel barbecue was still in existence. Yeah, oh man. Yeah. Uh, oh man was everybody. And then here, here's the thing about Reese and myself. Uh, the only way that we were going to get together is if he invited me to Capri Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, because I think that that could be at least yeah. at least in this southern Ontario could be the most popular pizza. I, uh, lovely, great pizza place, right? Everybody loves it. So, yes. So, so that's a little bit of my experience. But talk about Windsor the way you see it, because you know there's still some uh, there's still some legacy feelings about Windsor that aren't necessarily the way it is today. Correct? Sure, sure. I think, in fairness, um, well, there yeah. So there is a stigma. Um, there's a stigma that goes back a hundred years ago. Um, that is specifically, and it's very interesting from the outside looking in, but it, I, and I hate to say this, but it's like all GTA. So when you're selling income, income properties going back 17 years ago, and you're getting these inquiries from 647 area code 905-416, we had to treat those differently than inquiries from the rest of Canada and from Windsor, because we knew that there was this misperception that RoboCop and the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse were going down Main Street in every house you could buy for a dollar. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> where are they getting this from? <laughs> and, and I found out later from 
uh, historians at the University of Windsor that it's actually a stigma that goes back to prohibition almost exactly 100 years ago. And it was not helped along the way by the very uh, development of militant unions, which basically started in Windsor back in the 40s. And then after that, um, in the 60s and uh, 70s, it was um, more of a sort of, by that point, a flourishing, but very dirty car town, very dirty factory town. Uh Well, it's not polluted anymore. The unions aren't militant anymore. Last time I checked, prohibition's not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you've got a city that um, has all the wonderful things of living in a mid-sized city, low crime, no traffic jams. Uh, we are the southernmost city. And because we're on the other side of the jet stream, our weather is five degrees Celsius warmer on average than Toronto, which means you get an extra six weeks of summer every year. Mm. We have the highest net disposable incomes in Canada. Like, so after you've paid for your house and you've paid for your car and you've paid for the Cheerios for your kids, we have the most amount of money per family left over to spend on vacations. And for, in our case, because we're surrounded by water on boats, mm-hmm. this is the most boats per capita in Canada down here. Hmm. Um, so it's this super awesome life. Oh, and I haven't even gotten into the fact that we live right on the border with Detroit. And so you get all this awesome stuff right. <laughs> living in Canada. And living in this mid-sized city that's flourishing, but then you've got all the American amenities right out, like literally uh, two kilometers this way. Right now, that's Detroit. Yeah, my my wife. Downtown Detroit is three kilometers that way. If I could grab my webcam, I could spin it around and show you the Renaissance Center right outside my office window. I mean, I remember there's Greek Town, there's uh, 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 the, the Silver Dome. Was that the one? Yeah, well, they're not at the Silverdome anymore. They moved uh, to downtown Detroit. They're at Ford Field now, the Detroit right. Lions. And what's the what's the baseball field? Comerica Park. Right, another huge success. It's beautiful. Right. Oh, it's one of the most beautiful parks I've ever been to for baseball. The, yeah. the closeness to Detroit, uh, for me, there's a story with my wife where she, when she was younger, uh, she was in the Detroit Youth Orchestra, and she would oh. just get on the bus and go across, you know, for practices and come back. I mean, it was yeah. so easy in those days, right? Yeah, so, it's gotten hard. So 9-11 really changed that. Right, right. Um, but then they kind of made up for it with uh, the Nexus Pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have as that. long as you've got a Nexus Pass, there's no fear at the border. It, uh, there's lines that you just literally, they look at you and ask like a, a quick question to make sure that you, you match the Nexus card and you, you go through. You're already pre-cleared, in other words. Right, right. It's a great, it's a great way to get through any of the uh, customs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, no, it, it, it has been a real sort of uh, frustration through the pandemic because we haven't been able to go over there for a year. Mm. And it, it, it's hard to explain to people that aren't from Windsor, but you're, your mentality is, is hyphenated. It's Windsor, Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, the Detroit Lions are my football team. Don't hold, I know. I, it's like being a fan of the Maple Leafs, man. It is a tough existence. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the Lions, the Pistons, yeah. the Tigers, they're all your teams. Like, you have tons of friends over there. My wife's American. Mm-hmm. I met her when she was going to the University of uh, Michigan for a PhD. Hmm. And uh, yeah, smart enough for a PhD, dumb enough to marry me. That's the family <laughs> slogan. Um, but um there's a lot of cross-border interaction and marriage and friendship and camaraderie. And it's being cut off for a year now because of the pandemic. So that has really sucked. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can imagine. Yeah. 
Yeah, like literally, uh, you know, there's two store, there's two star Michelin restaurants from where I sit right now, a 15 minute drive to valet. And they're not, they're not sort of New York or Toronto prices. I mean, it's like two star for two people for 150 bucks American with a tip. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, I can't wait till we can do that stuff again. Like the downtown Detroit is not 1980s downtown Detroit. It is flourishing. It's a Phoenix that has risen from the ashes and it's, it's so much fun. And their downtown core, their crime rates are 34% less than the American average now. Hmm. Wow. Big change. In Detroit proper. Yeah. People don't realize unless again, you're down here. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask this. Uh, the, the other part of your career, besides real estate, besides law, was uh, you're, you're also a professional actor or have been, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And when, absolutely. And you called me once about this. We're talking about, you know, it, you're well known for that, <laughs> right? Sure. Uh, but, but you want to make sure you're well known for real estate. And I remember I oh. heard this expression I thought was the best expression. I said, why don't you just call it your side hustle? Remember that conversation? <laughs> yeah. So, so what have yeah, it, um, I, I, I've learned a lot about branding since then. Yeah. And so what you'll find is a lot of your brand these days is social media. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll notice that on my, I think you and I are personal Facebook friends. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, we are. Right. Right. Yeah. So what you'll notice on my personal Facebook page, which is heavily Windsor centric because I'm born and raised here you'll find that there's more of a narrative of, of real estate, um, right. less, you know, 80, 20, yeah. sort of the, you know, 80% of it is, you know, family photos, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll kind of tie in the real estate stuff. And then, um, I talk about the acting much less, Yeah. but then if you go to my acting Facebook page, I have uh, about a million followers worldwide, Wow. Uh, but I don't promote it in Windsor. Makes sense. And that way it helps me to make that distinction. And then you've seen my running joke, I think, which is um, like today, I, I just posted something on Facebook and I'll, I, I've got a hashtag and it's all capital letters. I still sell real estate. Right, right, right. Because what was happening is I start showing up as a recurring role on like designated survivor. And everybody thinks you're making a million dollars an episode of living in Hollywood locally, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so agents would take advantage of that. And of course, that's not. You know, it's against their code of ethics, but hey, you know, what's the code of ethics, right? And they would go into listing appointments and go, oh, yeah, I think Reese lives in Hollywood now. I don't think he's selling real estate anymore. You know, so I had to start that. I still sell real estate and that has become a big running joke locally in Windsor. And uh, I get people in in person all the time that just, hey, do you still sell real estate? They think it's funny and I don't tell them that everybody says that same joke, but it's great. Yeah. It's the problem opportunity, right? You had a problem, you made it into a, a great opportunity to, to help promote yourself, right? I mean, you know, and at the a, end of the day for sales, yeah. um, being top of mind is the most important thing, right? right, right. Uh, you know, the, the average person knows, I think, three real estate agents. Why are they going to choose you? And so if you're top of mind, even if it's not related to real estate, uh, you're the one that they're going to uh, uh, to well, go to first. Well, in Toronto, the average person has three real estate agents in their family. That's why I hesitated because <laughs> I know the per capita is like ridiculous for agents up there. It's crazy. Right. I knew you yeah. were. I knew you were. You were pulling back on that one, so I thought I'd say it for you. Yeah, you, you, you know. Yeah, you You're noticed. Right. Yeah. So let, let me ask about your background because I always find that's a really interesting question. You mentioned your dad was a professor, right? Yep. Um, what were the influences of your parents on your career? 
I'm the black sheep of the family, Howard. Um, sales and business are not um, traditional in my family at all. Hmm. Um, they're almost going back three generations now. They're almost all engineers, teachers, professors. And um, they've done wonderful things. Uh, my great uncle Will was one of the um, 25, 27 scientists that developed radar during World War II. Wow. And um, uh, yeah, my grandpa Jack played rugby for Swansea, which is like saying your grandpa played basketball for the Boston Celtics. You know, so the, 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 both sides of the family have um, wonderful people. But as far as business, it's just never been a thing in our family, entrepreneurialism. Mm -hmm. And uh, but what my parents did give me is a base of knowledge and um, a burning curiosity. And the curiosity is what uh, fuels my passion for the things that I do. Like I got into acting, not because, oh, I want to be famous one day. I got into acting because I'm like, man, how does that work? Mm -hmm. You know, I was done with sports. I was 34, 35. I was done with sports. I was getting too old for sports to be any good anymore. And uh, I needed a new outlet for my sort of um, my passions and my curiosities. And that's, that's where it went that way because one of my best friends confided in me and said he always wanted to be an actor. So I helped him get into an acting class. He disappeared after one class in Detroit yeah. and they're calling me up going, are you coming back? I'm like, I did this for my buddy. I don't even know where he is. But I was like, I had fun. I'll go back. And then, yeah, I, they ended up press ganging me into uh, a theater uh, production that they were doing in uh, Detroit's downtown theater district. So all of a sudden I'm acting in front of like hundreds and hundreds of people within like two months of me saying, yeah, I'll come back for second class. And uh, I got hooked, man. It was a lot of fun. It was a great group to learn with. And uh, a couple of them are still acting years and years later out in LA. Um, yeah. It's been good, man. It's been good. Good for you. Listen, one of the questions that I like to ask people, um, because when I was asked the question, I was like, wow, good question. Uh, mm -hmm. What would you tell your 20-year-old self if you could do that now? Oh, man. My 20-year-old self, what would I, what would I tell them? Yeah. Um, I would give them a list in order of books to read. Mm -hmm. um, because there are books along the way that have been. But see, at 20, are you going to use those books properly? Do you know what I mean? It's your answer, Reese. Yeah, that is a really good question, Howard. Um, I would give him a list of books right. and say, don't read the second one on the list until you've mastered the first one okay. and implemented it fully into your life. There you go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Also, this is a, a kind of personal, but I, I think these are important things to define people. What, what's, the, uh, what's the worst thing that happened to you in your life? I mean, the loss of my grandparents. Okay. And what's, what's the best thing that happened to you in your life? Mm -hmm. The best thing that's happened to me in my life, I, I mean, basically it's being, um, being born at all is a miracle. But then being born into Canada and then being born into a family like mine where um, you're not born into wealth, you're born into a wealth of knowledge. You know, it's just, it's winning the lottery, man. I, I won the lottery the day I was born. 
I'll tell you, that's that's great answers. So many people don't have that answer. So good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I've asked, I've asked the, and you've given me all the information I was hoping we'd be able to share today. So um, I know you're a busy guy because uh, I just went over all the things you do. So I want to say <laughs> it's, that. It's, you know, it's fun. The variation in the day is fun. Yeah. You know, between the two uh, professions. I basically, and I thank Toronto completely for this. So I couldn't act without Toronto, number one, because it's become the second largest um, uh, center for the industry outside of uh, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't do that without Toronto. And then quite frankly, Toronto and Toronto people are the ones that have taught me and guided me and mentored me on private equity. And um, without that, I wouldn't be able to do the developments that I'm doing in Windsor. And uh, quite frankly, I wouldn't be able to do the business side of things that I do now in the media industry uh, increasingly. It just wouldn't happen without that city. And um, um, yeah, grateful that it's right up the road for sure. Okay. So I want to thank you. And uh, we're, we're going to have to, I guess, delay the, uh, the chance for you to buy me a pizza. You're welcome down here anytime. Okay. It's funny you, you, you say Capri. Right. We never talked about how Windsor is one of the food hubs in North America, never mind Canada. Ah, okay. You want good, simple food, you know, from peasants from all over the world. Yeah. This is where you come. That's the pizza. It's the shawarma. I get no disrespect to Toronto. I, I ended up getting a, a wonderful film role. I walked out the door. I was so happy. I'm strutting down. I think it was college Avenue. I see the shawarma shop. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a shawarma. I go strutting in there. I'm so happy. My chest is puffed out. I get that shawarma. I get outside. I'm still strutting. I, I unwrap this shawarma. Then he took one bite. And Howard, I rarely do this. I dropped it in the garbage. You know, it's uh, Toronto is awesome for a lot of ethnic foods, man. But it, uh, you don't have our shawarma, man. <laughs> <All right>. well, <laughs> you I'll kill just... us on Thai food. Your Thai food's amazing. You might have the best Thai food out of Thailand. Okay. In Toronto. Well, listen, we could go through all the different cultures in Toronto. Oh man! But, but I think there, uh, there are some awesome restaurants right. in Toronto. I'm not knocking Toronto food at all. all right. It's uh, it's the other sort of multi-ethnic hub of food. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know anybody that loves Windsor more than you do. So uh, <laughs> uh, when you become mayor, <laughs> when yeah. you when you monetize all your all your buildings and you know you're you're you are, you are flying back and forth from Hollywood. Let's pick it up again for another podcast, okay? I'd be more than happy to come on, man. All right. Really nice to see you. Congratulations on your recent wedding. And uh, we'll stay in touch, Reese. Really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Howard. Okay. Bye-bye. Hi. We want to thank Reese Wynn Trenhill for being our guest today. And we want to thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, please like us, comment, and also subscribe to our channel. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us either by email, which is info at rewithhd.com or on the web at rewithhd.com. Take care, be kind to each other, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.